Welcome to the Fantasy Food Truck Podcast with your host Adam McGill. You can follow us on the Twitter at F-A-N-T-A-Z-Y-F-O-O-D-T-R-U-K. What's up and what's going on? Welcome to the Fantasy Food Truck Podcast. I am Adam McGill. Today we have a lot of stuff to cover, guys. There was a lot of news that just came out uh, within the past few hours, this morning, this afternoon, today. Uh, we we want to get it rolling here. Today's podcast is mainly going to be about injuries and injury updates. Guys, we had a lot of injuries last year, late in the season. A lot of reasons why, why a lot of people are trying to stay away from, from the running back position early in the draft. That may or may not be a mistake. Uh, however, that'll be for a later podcast. We focus on draft strategy. When we, tar- when we start talking about the rankings of uh, positions like running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, etc., etc. As as we look at, at, at some of the more recent uh, fantasy news today. Fantasy food truck appetizers. The most recent injury comes of, of Bill's wide receiver, Sammy Watkins. This is a guy that has had much success uh, along with, with many injuries over the past couple years. Uh, Sammy Watkins underwent foot surgery about three weeks ago, and he's expected to miss the preseason. This is something that just came out, so, so look for more updates in, in the coming podcast and on Twitter. Uh, but to continue on, uh, the Broncos quarterback Mark Sanchez injured his left thumb in, in the weight room on Thursday. He then underwent surgery on Saturday and will miss a few OTAs. Guys, this is absolutely huge for uh, quarterback in Paxton Lynch, the rookie out of Memphis this year. It was it was already widely speculated that, that he could take over the job that seemed to be up in the air as, as of currently. Paxton Lynch now has a wide open shot with Mark Sanchez's left thumb hurt. And with Mark Sanchez being out the first couple OTAs, Paxton Lynch has a huge opportunity that if he takes advantage of, could, could be one of the best rookie quarterbacks this year in the NFL. Moving on, Danny Amendola, he, he had a bone spur in his ankle, has a knee issue. That there, there, there is hope for Amendola that he will be ready for training camp, but it's still way too early to tell if week one is even a guarantee. Uh, guys, this is... This is huge because Amendola's hurt, Edelman's hurt. It seems like the next guys on, on the depth chart are recently signed Chris Hogan, as we talked about earlier in, in, in the offseason, uh, was nicknamed 7-11 when he played for the Dolphins on, on Hard Knocks. Uh, he was na- nicknamed 7-11 because he is always open. The, the Patriots went out and drafted Malcolm Mitchell out of the University of Georgia who I, I liked a lot as a, a mid-to-late-round pick. So I, I think he he definitely has some potential uh, to, to come in there and be a productive receiver this year. Uh, the, the last, I, I guess, uh, recent news update, or last couple updates here, uh, we got Corey Coleman, obviously the, the wide receiver that was drafted by the Browns, I think number 15 overall. He was the first wide receiver drafted in this year's NFL draft. Uh, Hugh Jackson, the coach for the Browns, has recently called Coleman out of shape. Coleman even admitted himself he was gassed during the first rookie minicamp practice and needs to get in better shape. 
Personally, I'm not too concerned about this right now as he's prepping the past three or four months to be in NFL draft shape. What that means that these guys work their butts off to get in combine shape and to get ready for pro days and visits prior to the draft. Each one of these events have them go out and run 40-yard dash and shuttle dashes, uh, which I'm not too sure and don't believe. Uh, but te- I don't think the teams require the 40-yard dashes to be ran during mini camps, uh, OTAs, as, as you get closer to training camp, and, and obviously games. Uh, therefore, let's wait and see how this one plays out in the training camp. Uh, as, as most of you, I'm sure, already know, Rob Gronkowski is, is going to be on the cover of Madden this year. To me, uh, obviously, there's, there's the, the <clears throat> quote-unquote Madden curse. As I look over the past couple years at some of the guys who have been on the cover of Madden, you have Odell Beckham, who was on the cover in 2016. You have Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, in 2013. You have Peyton Hillis the year before in 2012. And the year prior to that, you have Drew Brees in 2011. Personally, I, I think that's all I need to hear. Three of those four players, I think, came out the next year and produced. Maybe not uh, to a level that, that they produced the year before being on the Madden cover, but, but all those guys produced to levels where, where they were, or were definitely draftable and weren't considered anywhere near a bust. The only guy that I would consider a bust there is, is Peyton Hillis. Uh, and, and, and personally, I will not be drafting Gronk, but it's, it's not because he's on the Madden cover. To me, it's because he's a tight end. Again, this is something that we will focus on as we get closer to draft strategy and as we get closer to, to the rankings and, and when I rank the tight ends and so on and so forth. I am not a fan of drafting tight ends high. I'm not a fan of drafting quarterbacks high. I think the first five or six rounds is is meant for wide receivers and running backs unless you have a guy fall to you uh, to, to a value that is unpassable. Uh, so to me, Gronk is undraftable, but not because of a Madden curse, because he is a tight end and the position that he plays. Injury updates. Moving on to injury updates. Uh, as, as we said at the top of the podcast, as I said at the top of the podcast, a lot of guys were, were hurt last year. There's a lot of running backs on this list, but there were so many wide receivers that produced last year uh, that, that this list is very important as, as we look into this year. Julian Edelman. Edelman broke his foot during last season and only appeared in nine regular season games. He came back for the AFC Divisional Championship game and caught 10 of 16 targets. In the AFC Championship game, he had seven catches in the loss against Denver. He underwent a second surgery uh, on his foot this offseason, but is expected to be back well in advance of week one. It is a foot, though, and if you recall Des Bryant's season last year, a foot can have some setbacks. This might explain why the Patriots went out and signed a guy like Chris Hogan, traded for a guy like Martellus Bennett, and drafted a guy like Malcolm Mitchell. Again, as we said at the top of the podcast, Danny Amendola is also hurt. Again, Malcolm Mitchell, Chris Hogan, and even Martellus Bennett all have arrows pointing up. But to me, this is a key injury to watch going into training camp and preseason this year. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon had a microfracture surgery that scared away teams from Miles Jack. It's the same exact surgery that technically Miles Jack hasn't even had yet. This isn't something to be overly concerned about, but in a few years it could be. 
This is still an interesting play as Danny Woodhead will throw a huge wrench into Gordon's plans for the season. Woodhead has skills that Gordon doesn't have, which will make the training camp an interesting time for these two. Personally, I'm a fan of Gordon. I was a fan of Gordon last year. He, he ended up going too high for my liking. However, I think that Gordon uh, could, could be a lead back in the league this year. And, and that microfracture is, is something to pay attention to down the road. Again, it's what, it's what scared teams away from Miles Jack. Uh, Miles Jack isn't uh, netted to have the injury or the, the, excuse me, the surgery yet, but it's something that could potentially happen down the road. If you draft a guy like Miles Jack in the first round and ha he has surgery in the first year or two, and then four or five years later he can't play because of his knee, is he really worth a first round pick? That is what Melvin Gordon is going through now. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham tore his patellar tendon. This is very similar to Victor Cruz. So we will talk a lot about Victor Cruz here uh, in comparing him to Jimmy Graham. Cruz tore his patellar tendon in week six of the 2014 season and has been out 18 months since then. Both Victor Cruz and the Giants GM says that he's ready to go this year. Graham was still a top 20 tight end last year even after getting hurt in week 12. Week 12 was the start of Russell Wilson's terror through the fantasy playoffs where he posted three games of 30-plus points and two games of 20-plus fantasy points. Prior, prior to Week 12, Wilson didn't have a game of more than 25 points and only had two games with more than 20. Point here is that just like I said about Gronk, I will not be drafting Gronk because I don't feel that the value for tight ends is there higher in the draft. You can get a guy like Jimmy Graham, depending on if he plays or not, who can still be a top 20 tight end this year. You can get this guy at the very end of the draft. This guy didn't play in four games. This guy didn't play in four, excuse me, five games. Five of Russell Wilson's biggest games last year. This guy didn't even play in. And yet he was still a top 20 tight end. I think that this guy being drafted in, in the 14th, 15th, even 16th round this year is an absolute steal, uh, obviously depending on if he plays this year. Joe Flacco. Uh, first off, Flacco is not elite. And that is coming from a fantasy, I guess, blogger you could call me and, and not a Steelers fan. Uh, secondly, and the reason he is on this list is because he tore both his ACL and MCL in his left knee. As of mid-April, Flacco has resumed running and should be ready for training camp. ACL and MCL tears do not have the same effect, obviously, on quarterbacks as, as they do on running backs because of the different cuts and bursts of speed that are required from one and not the other. Flacco would be a good second quarterback in two quarterback leagues. Uh, he, he'd be a good backup for, for your, your bi-week fill-in. He'd be maybe even good in DFS. Uh, personally, I would not use Flacco as my main quarterback unless you are in a very, very deep league. Uh, Flacco got hurt in week 11 and was averaging 16 fantasy points per game through his first 10 games. Uh, that does not include week one where he scored zero against Denver. Um, and the point is that he would, that if he would have continued this trend, he would have finished his quarterback number 16 rather than quarterback number 26 where he finished to end the season. Again, not drafting this guy unless you're in a deep, deep league. 16 teams, uh, you know, quarterback number 16, 
uses a bye week fill-in. You know, I, I like to stream defenses and really defenses only. Uh, so if, if you're a quarterback streaming type guy, you might be able to use Flacco. I think the offense around him this year might, might produce better results for Flacco this year. Carlos Hyde. Remember him? He went off against Minnesota in that primetime game week one for 29 fantasy points and then pretty much wasn't seen again. Hyde did in fact suffer a, a stress fracture way back in October. He is reportedly dropping weight for Chip Kelly's new offense and should be ready to go start of the season. I expect a full workload for Hyde this year and believe most will downgrade Hyde because of the offense he plays in. To me, he is a running back that I will look for in the first couple rounds. Kelvin Benjamin. As we previously mentioned, Benjamin should be ready to go come training camp after suffering a torn ACL last year in training camp. Cam Newton was the number one quarterback last year, throwing to guys like Teddy Ginn and Greg Olson. I think we all know and remember what Benjamin was able to do as a rookie, and he should be there and beyond this year. I value Kelvin Benjamin as a wide receiver in the top of this draft. Jordy Nelson. Jordy also suffered a torn ACL against the Steelers in a preseason game last year. That game also lost one of the top centers in Marquise Pouncey, but hey, I'm not bitter or anything. But with Nelson out for the Packers, their offense looked horrible. It could have been the fact that Eddie Lacy was fat, or could have been the Packers receivers not being able to get open, which could have been due to the loss of Jordy Nelson and quarterbacks now rotating over which also could have allowed the defense to put eight in the box to stop Lacey from running away. Either way, Jordy being back will not only help himself, but Aaron Rodgers as well. The pictures that have been surfacing about Eddie Lacey uh, are, are interesting uh, and they're intriguing. Uh, I, I think that this Packers offense will be completely different than what it was last year. And I see Rodgers, I see Jordy, Jordy Nelson, I see Eddie Lacy, and I see Randall Cobb all being back to where they were in the 2014 season. Des Bryant. Des only played nine games last year, only three of which Roma was the quarterback for. Week 1, Des got hurt, and week 11 was full, and week 12, Romo got hurt. Those were the three games that those two guys played together. Dez broke his right foot in week one of last year against the Giants, came back in week eight, and then went out again in week 15 due to a, quote, nagging right foot and ankle. Whether it was truly due to that or because the Cowboys had threw in the towel, Dez still did not play. He also missed the last two preseason games last year due to a hamstring. Here's what Dez Bryant said back in January about his foot and not playing. After I broke my foot and tried to come back, I knew I wasn't right. But at the same time, I knew what was at stake. I thought I could potentially perform at a high level despite dealing with this foot. It turned out very unfortunate. Dez has since undergone two foot surgeries and although likely has not been cleared for June minicamp, uh, Dez is still a monster. And with the team adding Zeke Elliott, my number one rookie this year, should take some of the pressure away from Dez. Teams are going to have to stack the box to try and stop Elliott behind that Cowboys offensive line. The Cowboys also drafted Dak Prescott, which will be an interesting cap camp and preseason watch to see if he can take over the number two spot from Kellen Moore. Romo is probably the most injury-prone quarterback in the league, 
And every time he falls on that shoulder, Dez owners will cringe. If Prescott can prove himself to be a solid backup, I will have better. I will have a better conscience about picking Dez. Uh, again, to me, it is all about what is behind Romo. If Romo goes down, can Dez still perform with that quarterback? Next up is Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles finishes running back number 50 last year after tearing his ACL in Week 5 against the Bears. He also tore his ACL in 2011 in Week 2. Charles was averaging 15.2 fantasy points per game, including the game against the Bears when he went out. Devontae Freeman, fantasy's number one back last year, averaged 14.375 fantasy points per game. In 2012, the year after Charles first tore his ACL, he had the best year of his career rushing for over 1,500 yards. As much as I would like to think he can bounce back and do the same thing, he has much better talent behind him now than versus versus the 2012 season when he came back from that ACL. Now he has Sharkandrick West, Spencer Ware, whereas in 2012 he had Peyton Hillis and Sean Drone. I can see a few scenarios playing out. One is the Chiefs trading one or more of their backs for future draft picks. The second, which could happen in addition to the first, is goal line carries are going to be taken away from Charles and given to Spencer Ware, who is 5'11 and 228. To put that into perspective, Jamal Charles is 199 pounds, Sharkandrick West is 205 pounds, and a guy like Le'Veon Bell is 220 pounds. Andrew Luck. I usually only talk about the guys I was spot on with last year. I put guys like C.J. Anderson and Jeremy Hill on my do not draft list and laughed all the way to the championship at guys who took them. Andrew Luck, on the other hand, was a guy I wanted to target high and unfortunately... Or fortunately, at draft time, I was unable to snag him. This was a guy that with all the talent around him and what he, what he has been able to do in his first few years in the league was a sure thing, right? Wrong. He made it through week nine this year, missing weeks four and five, averaging 18 fantasy points per game. 18 fantasy points per game through a whole season would have put, put him right above Aaron Rodgers for the number six QB of last year. I think this is a guy who will bounce back this year. Uh, I don't know if you can even call it a bounce back because the games he played in, albeit limited, he was a serviceable quarterback. First round QB, absolutely not. But Luck will fall this year in drafts and will be drafted late third, early fourth round. This is the earliest I would even think about grabbing a quarterback. And if Andrew Luck is there, he is one of my top quarterbacks this year, 2016. Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to have some fun talking about this one. He was suspended for the first two weeks of, of the year last year for smoking weed with LeGarrette Blunt. He came back in week three, played five games before getting hurt uh, in his sixth game back against Cincinnati. He averaged just under 14 fantasy points per game. And if you recall, Devontae Freeman averaged just over 14 fantasy points per game. If Le'Veon Bell would have carried that through the entire season, he would have been running back number two overall. Now let's talk about Bell's 2016 future. The Steelers have one of the top O-lines in the league, and they went out this offseason and reassured that by getting some offensive line depth. Anybody who starts for this team at running back will be successful, just like in Dallas when they started guys like Darren McFadden, when they started guys like Joseph Randall. Uh... When you look at the Steelers, you see guys like Fitzgerald Toussaint, who almost led them to an AFC Championship game if he wouldn't have fumbled against the Broncos. 
Either way, it has always been assumed that Bell could be ready for week one after tearing both his PCL and MCL last year. He was cleared to run back on Mar March 1st and has been posting many videos of him dunking the, the basketball and working out fully as if he was fully healthy. The big issue is going to be contact to that knee. As I have said many times with Bell, the Steelers will be stupid to rush him back. Week one, full workload, in my eyes, is rushing him back. The Steelers will bring him back slowly, limiting his snaps, and making sure he can go back to the Le'Veon Bell of the past few seasons when he was healthy. Once they have confirmed that he can carry a full workload, uh, then he will, he will obviously get the workload we expect. I would assume sometime after week two or three to see him start to get back to a full workload. Tony Romo. Uh, I'm not even really sure why I'm talking about Romo. I guess if you're a, a, uh, in a two-quarterback league uh, or a league that's deep enough, you might have to take a chance on this guy. Or maybe you'll, you'll stack him with Dez and maybe even Zeke and DFS. Uh, I, I guess I could probably talk DFS better with Romo than I can really Romo. But e either way, this guy is injury prone. Uh, and unless you are one of the, the examples above, I, I'm staying away from Romo this year and beyond. Romo played in four games last year. Uh, he fractured his left collarbone against the Eagles in week two, came back, made it through a game against the Dolphins, and then fractured his left collarbone again the next week against the Panthers. Romo has been throwing for the last month and is almost 100% involved in the offense during offseason workouts. He should be a full go come mandatory minicamps. Personally, I will love this stack of him, Dez, and Zeke in DFS. Maybe even throwing some, some Jason Witten when they play some, some bad defenses such as maybe even the Saints or the Giants, uh, some teams you could really throw on from last year. The Steelers. Uh, one of my keys for DFS success is to stack two or three, and sometimes even four guys from an offense that can really explode. I think Romo is a guy you can realistically stream all year and maybe use as a bi-week fill-in, kind of like we said uh, about Flacco earlier on in the podcast. Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis played in seven games last year. Boy, was this guy exciting to watch, especially after hearing his background story of being cut by teams such as the Colts and the Browns. Go figure. Lewis tore his ACL against the Redskins last year in Week 9 and was averaging 11 fantasy points per game up until that point. There hasn't been much recent news on Lewis. Go figure, playing for the Patriots. But I expect him to be ready to go come Week 1. This is a guy who back in February met with Dr. James Andrews who said that his ACL recovery is, quote, encouraging. The Patriots were not very quick to re-sign LeGarrette Blunt, who was their lead back after Lewis went down. And behind those two guys, you have guys like James White, Brandon Bolden, and the recently signed Donald Brown. It will be interesting to see if the Patriots try to utilize Brown as an early season replacement for Lewis if for any reason... He has some setbacks and can't return right away. Kevin White. The Bears wide, re wide receiver depth chart behind Alshon Jeffrey and Kevin White is currently Eddie Royal, Marquise Wilson, Mark Mariani, and Josh Bellamy. The wide receiver core last year was banged up with Jeffrey and Royal only playing in nine games. Wilson played in 11 games and Josh Bellamy and Mark Mariani were the only guys to play in all 16. Alshon Jeffrey led the team with 101 fantasy points, followed by Marquise Wilson with 49 and Bellamy with 30. Point is, there is a huge opportunity 
for Kevin White in this offense if he can just stay healthy, especially after the team lost Matt Forte. I have some faith in Langford, but don't believe that he will be much of a threat in the passing game. Kevin White missed his entire rookie season with a stress fracture in his shin, but is expected to be a full go come OTAs. Remember, this guy was drafted number seven overall by the Bears last year, taking three picks after a guy named Amari Cooper, and seven picks before a guy that went to the Dolphins named Devontae Parker. The receiver this year that was taken first overall was Corey Coleman at number 15. I would much rather pass on Jeffrey in an early round and try to wait it out for a guy like Kevin White. Brashad Perryman. Perryman missed all of his rookie season as well due to a persistent PCL injury. Like White, Perryman also a first round selection last year when the Ravens took him at 26. Perryman should be ready to go for OTAs and has been seen running full speed with his teammates. OTAs for the Ravens start May 24th. The Ravens had all kinds of injuries last year with guys like Flacco, Steve Smith, Rashad Perryman, Justin Forsett, Terrell Suggs, the list goes on and on. Their top scoring receiver was Kamar Aiken, who had 116 fantasy points. Remember Alshon Jeffrey, who only had 101? And Steve Smith came in with 82. I'm not sure what to think of this offense yet, but wouldn't mind doing the same with Perriman, as I just said with Kevin White. Steve Smith is coming back hungry for a full season and revenge on some Steelers who laughed at him when he got hurt. Blacko has the arm to air it out to guys like Perriman and Wallace and Steve Smith. And so this will be yet another big training camp watch for me. Thomas Rawls. Rawls was a huge addition to the Seahawks offense last year, appearing in 13 games, especially after Marshawn Lynch was only active for 11 games last year. Rawls outscored Lynch 111-66 to in fantasy points and had five games in double digits. Rawls fractured his ankle late in the year against the Ravens and between the injury and the Seahawks drafting three running backs, his future is questioned. Two guys they drafted were C.J. Proceis and Alex Collins, who were both guys I could see having an impact in their rookie year. Rawls scared me before the Seahawks drafted those guys and is a bigger risk after. The Seahawks O-line stinks and they let a guy like Russell Okung walk in free agency. However, they did draft three offensive linemen in this year's draft, uh, so I can see this team going with the, quote, hot hand. Pete Carroll, coach of the Seahawks, has said that Rawls will still be the lead back when he returns, but the team has been very vague about when that return will be. The injury did not require surgery, and general feeling is he will be ready for week one, but we should see guys like C.J. Proceis and Alex Collins get plenty of reps in camp and preseason. I'm scared of Rawls, and currently he is off my draft board until we hear more in training camp. Steve Smith. This is the third Raven on this list after Flacco and Perriman. Smith ruptured his Achilles against the Chargers in Week 8 and was then out for the season. Smith recently said this, quote, No setbacks, no real pain, where you'd say, oh, that's a concern, just all good stuff, to start and move forward. Smith is expected to be back for training camp, but with the additions the Ravens have made and the injuries they have had last year, 
I cannot see them pushing Smith. However, Smith is a veteran and will tell the Ravens when he's ready to go back, which is probably week 10 as they had a week as they had a bye in week 9 last year. I was off of Smith last year and will probably be a big, be again this year but for different reasons. Last year I thought he was old and with his alleged retirement after the season, I didn't think he was worth the 10th round draft pick. Boy was I wrong. This year, however, I think he will go too high for my likings. Uh, however, I would love to own him if he were if he were to drop in my leagues. Either way, I'm very excited to watch Smith this year. And as pre previously said, even as a Steelers fan, I cannot wait to see these matchups. and want to see what Smith has up his sleeve for guys like Mike Mitchell in particular. Lastly, Arian Foster. Foster came in uh, last year having off-season groin surgery and didn't play until week four. He then only appeared in four games before tearing his Achilles against Miami. Four games, he posted one point in his first week back, then weeks of 11 points, 16 points, and 23 fantasy points. With, with Foster not currently on a team and unlikely to sign soon, we will not have a very good outlook on this injury and when he'll be ready to go. I can see Foster waiting until camp and even in the preseason to see if, if there are any injuries that he could come back uh, and, and be the lead back. I've already seen some mocks where Foster is going way out of my price range. With his injury history, I'll be very hesitant to draft the 29-year-old running back. Well, guys, that, that wraps our podcast up for today. Uh, I appreciate anybody who, who went on the SoundCloud or went on the iTunes and subscribed. Uh, please do subscribe to iTunes if you haven't already. Give us those download numbers. We will be back next week and the week after and the week after and the week after until my wife officially shuts this project down. Upcoming projects and, and podcasts for me look look more like me ranking the players. Uh, I, I really want to get in and, and take a look at the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end position, and so on. Personally, I think this is way too early to be ranking these guys, but I'm, I'm already ready for this fantasy season to start, as I know most of, of you out there listening are. That, that's why you guys are listening. So uh, I will get to ranking uh, some, of these, some of these positions and players, uh, and next week we look forward to, to me ranking them and talking about why I ranked them there. As we said at the top of the podcast, guys, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Food Truck. Uh, 